0: If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to John chapter number 13. And as we're getting started this morning into, hey, that uh, hopefully you have the notes. But uh, this week, I I did got to put it in the program for this computer. Uh, So my wife went back home to get my computer and uh, she's going to bring it back and hopefully... Before the message is over, we'll have a PowerPoint so you could be following along in the notes. But I'll try to to emphasize what the word that goes in the blank is, okay? As we're as we're going through the message this morning, and uh, the verses will still be on the screen. It's just going to be the uh, the blanks for the uh, the notes are not going to be just because it was my fault. I cannot believe I did not realize that till. Uh, the media was asking me this morning, where's your PowerPoint? It's not on the computer. And I thought, what? What do you mean? I, I did not put the, uh, the PowerPoint where it's supposed to go. So hopefully I can still keep somewhat of your attention. I like the PowerPoint because it, it makes me less boring. You know, it just, even if you're like zoning out, when the, the picture on the screen changes, it kind of makes you say, oh yeah, that's right. That's what he's talking about. And uh, so this, uh, this morning, I'll do my very best to, uh, to keep us... In the study, engaged and growing and learning what God has for us to learn as we study uh, His Word. So John chapter number 13, and uh, we're going to be studying from verse number 1 all the way down to verse number 35. Okay, it's a long passage, but I promise you, I only got about 48 pages of notes. Okay, so we're gonna be out of here in about uh, an hour and a half or two, uh, just in time to beat the crowd that's leaving, right, from Luby's. And well, Luby's is closed now, so wherever it is that you're eating on Sunday, you'll you'll get the next crowd, it'll be great. But uh, I'm just joking, I don't have that many notes, um, and uh, and we'll get through this message uh, together and uh, hopefully be encouraged together. John chapter 13, we're only going to read verse 1 through 11 though, okay, together, and then we'll be studying the rest of the verses as we go through the message. Uh, So John chapter number 13, uh, verses number 1 through verse number 11, and this is a very important passage. Uh, This passage really is what describes the book of John as a book of God's love. In the first 12 chapters of the book of John, the word love is found about 12 times. That's almost one per chapter, one time per chapter. Okay, and that's about halfway. There's only 21 chapters in the book of John. So a little bit more than half of the book, you'll find love only 12 times, almost one per chapter. From chapters 13 to chapter 21, you'll find it 42 times. You'll find that from chapter 13, this is the night that Jesus is going to be betrayed. This will be the last time that he's with his disciples. This is the last time he's going to be able to speak to them before the crucifixion, before he literally gives his life for them on the cross. And so that kind of sets up what John is talking about here in John chapter 13. So let's read what he writes about that night. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, And Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from the Father and went to God, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter. And Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet, Jesus. And Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. So Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, then not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, ye are not all clean. Let's go ahead and pray and ask God to guide us as we study his word this morning. Father, I thank you once again for allowing us to be here in your house. I thank you that this morning we have the freedom and the opportunity to study your word. And truly there's no better place to be on a Sunday morning than in your house. And there's no better book to study than your word. I pray that your Holy Spirit, first of all, would fill me this morning as I give the message that you have laid on my heart. I pray that I would be able to uh, communicate this message with clarity, with compassion, with passion, that I might be able to uh, deliver that which you've given to me. But Father, I also ask that your Holy Spirit would fill the hearts of every here this morning, and that we would all be ready to grow in your word, and that we might be filled by your spirit to receive that which you have. Help us to apply it into our lives and, and lead us where you may through your word, I ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me ask you a question this morning. What would you tell your friends and family if you knew that tonight was your last night that you were going to see them? What would you say? What would be what you would share with them? Throughout this week, as I studied this passage and knowing the context that this was the last time that Jesus was going to speak to his disciples before the crucifixion, he knew that he was going to die that very day. He begins to speak to them. And I, and I thought all this week, what would I tell my wife? What would I tell my two boys? What, what would I tell my brothers and my family? What would I tell my, my best friends if they were all with me? What would I tell them if I knew that this was my last night? I started thinking about, I would probably tell them how much they mean to me. I would tell them how they've impacted my life and how they've changed me for the better. I thought about how I would tell them how much I love them. How much their love for me, what it means to me and how much that I love them. I think I would talk about maybe things that were fun to remember, the good memories. I I would probably talk about the the fun times and even the difficult times, how we got through it together, how they encouraged me through some of those times. Share all of these thoughts with them as much as I could. I I don't know if uh, I could tell them all I wanted to say in the time that I had, but I definitely would do my very best to share some of those thoughts. And as I think about it, you'd probably do the same thing. These are things that we would want to share with those that we love. And parting with people is always bittersweet, isn't it? It's, it's always difficult, but it's nice to know that you get to to communicate all that you've always wanted to in those moments. We think sometimes of uh, these farewell addresses when someone's maybe in the hospital and and they're passing away, and and maybe the last few days while they're there, they they get to have these visitors, and and you get they get to share with the, them just what they thought about them, what they mean to them. But we also think of farewell addresses as in times when something is ending, like maybe uh, when when it's starting to to come to a close on uh serving uh someone like um perhaps even a uh a president when he's going out of office he'll he'll have a farewell address in fact january 11th of 1989 president ronald reagan was addressing the nation and he was going to give his farewell address and i listened to it this week and a couple things stood out to me here here's a, a little bit of what he said So we've got to teach history based not on what's in fashion, but what's important. Why the pilgrims came here, who Jimmy Doolittle was, and what those 30 seconds over Tokyo meant. Know who we are. He said, I'm warning of an eradication of American memory that could result ultimately in an erosion of the American spirit. So he said, let's start with some basics. Let's pay more attention to American history. And... Let's have a greater emphasis on civic offer. Lesson number one about America. All great change in America begins at the dinner table. So tomorrow night in the kitchen, I hope the talking begins. And children, if your parents haven't been teaching you what it means to be an American, let them know and nail them on it. And that would be a very American thing to do. Those that were alive there in 1989, perhaps watched that farewell address might remember those words. Ronald Reagan wanted the American public to, to think about what the eight years of his presidency meant and how he tried to bring a greater patriotism to our country and then he left them telling them his aspirations for them, telling them this is the America I envision for the future and how important it is as parents to teach our children this is what America stands for and, and, and this is who we are and pass this on to the next generation He's passionate about their future. Well, when you get into John chapter 13, Jesus is doing the very same thing. The theme is love, as I said. And one of the basics of the Christian life is a life of love. In fact, I would say probably the greatest truth about the Christian life, the greatest foundational truth is that the Christian life is built upon love. If you think about it, the person of the Christian walk and the Christian faith is Jesus Christ, who is love in the flesh. It was love that sent him from heaven down to our earth. It was love that nailed him to a cross. It was love that decided that he was going to give his life for us. Love. So the basic foundation of the Christian life is a life of love. And so some of the most important words that he shares about the Christian life and about love is here in John chapter 13. Now, if you read chapter 13, chapter 14, chapter 15, he tells you, John goes like into detail about what happened that night. Now, we're not gonna study all the chapters, but maybe when you get home, if you continue reading, uh, it's just an awesome read here in John to just read, why did Jesus talk about that last night? What was, what was he trying to share with his disciples? What, what did he want them to know? And really, in reality, what he wants us to know even today on this theme of love. But Jesus here is sharing with them what love is, what love does, what love changes, and what love wants. I mean, he, he really wants his disciples to understand what's going to separate you from the rest of the world, is a life of love. It's a distinguishing characteristic of Christianity, of Christians in and of themselves. So I want you to notice first of all this morning as we study this passage that Jesus begins with love's actions. John shares, so after the supper was done, suddenly we find uh, Jesus, getting up from the supper table, going, getting a bowl of water, filling it with water, and he goes and he begins to serve his disciples by washing their feet. Let me just say as we begin that love is more than just an idea. Sometimes when we, we are asked to define love, we, we think of love as, well, it's, it's, it's a feeling. It's an emotion. You know, uh, when, when the first time you meet your Husband or your wife, and this, this feeling comes over you that's love. And that is partly love. I, I have to agree with those that say that, that love is that what love is. It's, it's an emotion, absolutely, but it's more than just an emotion. And it's more than just an idea. See, love is an action word as well. And love has actions. that that describe it, that that show what it is. And we see here Jesus, as as he fills this bowl with water and he begins to wash his disciples' feet, he begins to show them the actions that love brings. You see, love's actions actually serve for many purposes. And one of the purposes that love's actions have is that we can learn to teach eternal truths through love. You can teach eternal truths through love, love's actions. See, Jesus in this chapter does something that catches all of his disciples off guard. When he gets that basin and begins to wash their feet, it catches them all off guard. And now let me tell you why. This was a custom that was not unique to Jesus, okay? In fact, society in general during that time, they all washed feet. Okay. Anytime you were having people over to your house because uh, they had just sandals and they didn't have tennis shoes like we have today, and they didn't have uh, the, the, the clothing that we have today, you would you would get your feet really dirty uh, as you're walking through the streets. They did not have pavement like we have today. They didn't have nice roads and blacktop roads. So as you're walking through the streets and getting to house to house, your feet would become dirty. And so when you'd go into someone's house whoever's hosting uh, would make sure that your feet get washed now the person that was washing the feet was usually the servant of the house and it wasn't like the second in command at the house it was usually the lowest servant that was there at the house so think about this this was something that as you go into someone's house it's going to happen. You're going to get your feet washed. But usually it was the lowest servant that did that. And now here is Jesus, the great teacher. Here's the leader of their band here. Jesus is walking and, and getting up from the supper table and filling a bowl and begins to wash their feet. Why did Jesus do that? I, I know that it had to have got them very confused because by the time he gets to Peter, Peter's, Peter's telling Jesus, what are you doing? you're not washing my feet. Listen, that's for the lowest servant. Jesus, you're more than that. You're greater than that. What are you doing? And what Jesus wanted to do is he wanted to teach his disciples some eternal truths. Do you know that the actions that we do in love teach eternal truths to other people? That's why it's so important to have the actions of love in our lives as Christians. That's why it's, it's, it's a basic for the Christian life to have a life of love, because through the life of love and the actions that you show, you actually teach others eternal truths. And Jesus is teaching them these eternal truths by this. He's teaching them what he has spoken with his mouth already. He said, you see, if you're gonna be the greatest in my kingdom, you need to be the servant of all. Jesus said, I have not come into this world that I might conquer the world. I'm not, I've not come for that. I've come to serve, to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus is teaching them an eternal truth with this. He's saying, you see, the actions that you do in love will affect eternity. It's more than just in the here and now. What you do in love, the actions that you produce... Carries on beyond this life You see loving service to others reminds us that there is more to life than what we can see and touch It's really easy to get caught up in life On just what we can see and touch It's easy to get caught up in this life with what we can do Life's more than that It's more than ourselves it's others it's more than just what we see. There's something beyond this life, a life that's much more real than this life. And I know it's hard to think about it that way because we think what is real is what we can touch. It's what we can see. That's what makes something real, right? I've got two little boys. They, they play in their room and uh, uh, Jordan, who, who is convinced he's an Avenger, he's always fighting. But he's fighting nobody. He's fighting this make-believe, you know, villain that's in his room. And he's, you know, doing all that he can to defeat him. And we would say, oh, he's playing with his imaginary friend with this villain that's not real. And we just kind of think, no, but reality is what I can see and touch. But, you know, the Bible teaches us that reality is beyond what we can see and touch. And the actions of love teach us that eternal truth, that it's more than that. In Mark chapter 10, you'll see there in your notes, in Mark chapter 10, there's a person that comes, a a young man that comes to Jesus, and he wants uh, the secret to eternal life, and he wants some eternal truth from Jesus. And Jesus is trying to, to lead him to the first and most important eternal truth, and that is that he needs a Savior. If he wants eternal life, eternal life is not done through what you do, and Jesus is trying to teach him that. But but he doesn't want to really listen. And Jesus starts, well, uh, you need to honor your father and mother. And you, uh, you need to leave, uh, live a clean life. And, and he said, well, I've done that. I've done that, Jesus. And notice what he says there in your notes. It says, then Jesus beholding him loved him. And he said unto him, one thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. Love's actions for this young man were too much to be, too much for him. He wasn't willing to live that kind of life. this life of giving to others and serving others, I, I, I can't do that. And he missed eternal truth. He missed that the fact is that life is more than just the here and now. Jesus was trying to teach him, listen, this is how. It's through love's actions that you can can see what eternity is all about and what life is all about, and he missed it. But now as he's about to leave his disciples, Jesus says, just remember what love's action does. It, It teaches eternal truths, but not only that, it teaches eternal purposes. You see, he shares with Peter the purpose for which he is cleaning Peter's feet. Peter said, well, give me a bath. If, 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 if this means that I'm part of you, then give me a bath. Jesus said, you don't need a bath. The only thing that's dirty is your feet. And so if only your feet are dirty, then we're going to clean your feet. You say, what is, what is the purpose that Jesus is teaching there? Well, Jesus, through this action, is teaching him an eternal purpose. That one of the purposes of the Christian life is to live a life that is clean. Jesus is teaching his disciples, live a clean life. Be clean. He's using an objective, uh, an object lesson, right? He, he's trying to, to illustrate and give an example to them of, hey, this is what love does. When you begin to serve others, you learn eternal truth that you need for the rest of your life and existence, but also a purpose for why I've created you to be different to live differently you know we live in a world that's always bombarding us with temptation with a philosophy that is ungodly we live in in a world that we always have to remind ourselves of what God says always have to do that because we just live in that kind of world And, and Jesus is telling his disciples listen As you're going through this life, this Christian life, he told Peter, you don't understand that now, but you're going to understand it after I'm gone, Peter. But you're going to have to understand that I'm calling you to a different life, a life that's different from the world's philosophy. uh, My philosophy is contrary. It's opposite to what the world's going to tell you. The the world's going to tell you, man, it's all about you. The world's going to tell you, hey, if you're really going to be somebody, you got to be the one telling people what to do. Jesus said, no, that's not the purpose purpose of life is found when you start serving others. See, love's actions lead you to serve others and live a purpose that is eternal. And to do this, he says, you need to be untainted. You you need to be clean. And that's why I love what Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says there in your notes, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us. What does it teach us? It teaches us denying ungodly and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Later, John would write, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What does all that mean? It means we need to keep keep ourselves pure and clean. And Jesus told his disciples, listen, you may not understand this now, but by washing your feet, by me doing this action, what I'm trying to teach you is an eternal purpose, and that is to live a life that is clean, a life that is godly. You see, love's actions in our life as Christians teach others, one, eternal truths that God wants them to know. Secondly, eternal purposes for which God wants us to live. So let me ask you something this morning. What are your actions teaching others about God? Parents, what eternal truth are you teaching your kids with the love that you showed them this week? Or, how about your coworkers? How about the guy or girl at the grocery store? What did our love teach them? Sadly, so many times it's our lack of love that's teaching people to walk away from the church and to walk away from God's word and walk away from the Bible because, oh, no, no, they're full of hate or they're full of bigotry or they're full, and you know. Jesus said, listen, it's love that's going to teach them love. So the first lesson we learn is love's actions that Jesus teaches. But then I want you to notice love's attitude. Once you get to verse number 12, he says, so after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said to them, know ye what I have done to you? He said, you call me master and Lord and you say, well, for I am. But if I then, as your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. So if you know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. See, love has actions. But it's more than just actions. There's an attitude with love as well. It involves more than just what I do. And here Jesus wants to point that out to them. Did you know what I just did? Oh, you washed our feet. No, no, he said, I gave you an example. I've showed you that by serving others, you're teaching eternal truths and purposes. But let me tell you the attitude with which I did this. I did this... Not with an attitude of me saying, but I'm the master, you ought to serve me. Shame on you for not washing my feet first. He said, that's not what I'm trying to tell you. What I'm trying to tell you is that even if I am the Lord, and I am the Lord, even though I am your master, and you call me your master, and I am, he said, notice that I still serve you in a loving way. I didn't do it because I had to. I didn't do it because I was forced to. I I did it because that's what love has behind it, an attitude that's more than just works. You see, our works only have an effect when they're accompanied by the right heart. Let me say that again. Works only have an effect when they're accompanied with the right heart. Uh, You can teach your class in Sunday school and not have any effect in the hearts of your students. I can get up every Sunday and get on this platform and prepare a nice message and a PowerPoint and and try to explain God's word, but if I don't have the right heart, it means nothing. It will have no effect on anyone. Because you see... The works that we do only have an effect when we have the right attitude behind them. And Jesus is teaching this to his disciples. You see, when when you have the right attitude, it gives us and keeps us in a right perspective of ourselves. When you have the right attitude, it'll keep the right perspective of who you are. It always brings us to this conclusion. I am a servant of others, of others. Having a right attitude when you love people never brings you to the conclusion that I'm better than others. You see so many times you can come to church and you can sit down, you can get involved and I'm so thankful for those that are involved in our local church. I'm thankful for the ushers that we have, and I'm, I'm thankful for those that come and, and clean, and, and, and those that just work and, and invite others, and those that teach our, our kids, uh, the, the kids' classes that we, we start again on Sunday night. I'm so thankful for that, because I'm telling you, it makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that there's a, we, we have a church of people that are willing to serve, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that throughout this year more of us will, will continue to serve and get involved. But you know there's an attitude behind all of that it's just as important and if we're not careful we can start serving and doing things without love without a right attitude and you know what the conclusion that you come to when you start doing it that way well i'm better than so-and-so Man, i've been coming week after week and i and i look over there to that bench and and i never and they never do anything over there I mean, no wonder God loves me more than them. And suddenly, not only are we making ourselves better than we are, suddenly we're trying to tear people down. And now we got to resort to gossiping about people. Now we got to judge them, and, and we can't even see their heart. We have no idea what their intentions are, but we just kind of feel like, well, God needs some help on judging them. I'll, I'll help him out. God, did you see them? Did you see they're not doing anything? God, did you? And, and suddenly... Not only do we want to tell God, we want to tell our neighbor, right? And we want to use spiritual language when we do it. I, I, I have noticed that. We do get really good at that, don't we? We, we, we? we don't just say like, oh, you know, I'm better than so-and-so. We say, you know what, we need to pray for them over there because I've been, I've been working with these kids all week. And they haven't done anything. They've just been sitting there on the bench. Let's just pray for them. Sounds so spiritual, but it's clothed with pride. And Jesus said, no, notice what I'm, I'm doing. There's an attitude behind this, and it, it begins with understanding who you are. Yeah, yeah, I am the master, and I, I am, yes, your Lord, but if I can do it, and I can serve others, you ought to as well. You ought to have an attitude that is one clothed in humility. I love what John the Baptist said. John 3.30, he said, uh, talking about Jesus, he said, he must in- increase, but I, I must decrease. There's an attitude there that John the Baptist recognized of who he really was. You see, when you have the right attitude, it gives you the right perspective of who you are. But secondly, it helps you to find joy in life. There's joy in serving others only When you have the right heart this is amazing this is an amazing truth because you see uh, sometimes we can get caught up thinking it's one or the other and it requires both you know you you can you can serve and do a lot and be active in church and not have the right heart and it won't affect anybody and you know what you'll find you'll find that you're really not as happy and joyful in the christian life there's many that have walked away from church and walked away from god saying that life it's just not fun. I, I was talking to uh, one, uh, a couple just uh, maybe a month ago, or a month and a half ago, and, and we were on a Wednesday night. We were talking after the service, and, and I was sharing with them. I thought, you know, we're just talking about how awesome it is to be saved. And I said, I can't imagine life without knowing Christ. It's just... I'm telling you, I'm having fun in this life. I'm having a whole lot of joy in this life. To to be honest, I know heaven's awesome. And I know it's far beyond and far better than this world. But you know, I'm having some fun in this world too. There's joy in serving Jesus. There's joy in serving others. You see, that's what makes heaven so awesome. (laughs) It's not just the streets of gold. We got gold down here. It's it's more than that. It's the joy that comes in serving. There's an attitude and a heart behind it. You know, the opposite is true as well, though. You can know that, man, serving is very joyful and still not have joy in the Christian life because you're actually not serving anyone. Listen, the opposite is just as true. You can come every week and sit in a pew and never get involved in church. And you can tell everybody, oh, man, you know, uh, son, you got to get involved in church. Son, you, you ought to be part of the youth group. You ought to be uh, part of this group or that group. And, and it's just it's just going to be fun for you. But if you're not in there with them, then you don't know anything about the joy of the Lord either. It's kind of like me talking about being an astronaut without actually ever going to space. I can talk about it, I can tell you about it, but I've never experienced it. I have no idea what that really feels like. So many times we think, well, it's one or the other, and Jesus is teaching this. Listen, there's actions that love brings for us to do, but then there's an attitude behind those actions, and that's important as well. just, Just understand this. It's not about who's greater here. The reason he mentioned that, by the way, is just because if you read in a few chapters before, chapters 11 and 12, the the disciples are actually arguing, who's the best among us? Who does Jesus love most? Who's going to be the greatest in his kingdom? And they're all saying, no, I am. Well, (laughs) no, I am. Didn't you see what I did yesterday in ministry? Didn't you see what I did in the last city? Don't Don't you remember when we were in Nazareth, remember what I did? You could never do that. Jesus said, no, that's, that's not what it's all about. See, a life of love doesn't have that focus. Amen. It doesn't have that heart. It has a greater heart for others. John chapter 12, there in your notes, we don't have time to read the passage, but you find Mary giving and pouring an ointment on Jesus that was a costly ointment. She did it with joy. She did it with tears. As she... Gave that to Jesus. You had Judas there, that traitor, the betrayer, saying, oh, if they, if she could have sold that and used the money for the poor. And John said, yeah, right. He wanted the money for himself. See, he knew about works because he did works with the other disciples. Judas was there. Judas was serving. When, 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 God, when Jesus began to multiply the bread, Judas was there serving bread, but he didn't have the right heart. That's why he had no joy. He didn't know Jesus. He didn't know love. There's Jesus there trying to teach Judas. The very night that Judas was going to betray him, he's reaching out to Judas and saying, Judas, listen, love can change you. Love will lead you to do this. Love will lead you to think this. But I want you to notice not only love's attitudes and love's actions but look at love's ability verse number 18 all the way down to verse number 30 jesus begins to expound to them a little bit more about love and it really is astounding when we stop and think about what love is capable of you can read stories of of people out of love running into buildings that are literally on fire to try to rescue their loved one Big feats of strength of people that have moved cars because a loved one was stuck under it and they just had this enormous strength that happened in that moment, this adrenaline rush, and and love is is unbelievable what it's capable of capable of in in a physical nature, but even just as a motivator as what it leads you to do. Love is unbelievable. More than just what love can perform, it's what love can accomplish. What love elevates us to. You see, love's ability takes us to serve those who hate us. Verses 18 to 30, John begins to share that night what Jesus was doing for Judas. Jesus was the only one that knew Judas was going to betray him. Knowing what Judas was going to do that very night, knowing... The pain that he was about to confront. In fact, he gets to a point where he tells his disciples, Man, I'm I'm hurting inside. I'm troubled. And they said, Jesus, why, why are you troubled? He said, One of you is going to betray me. One of you here really has no love for me. One of you here doesn't know what love is all about. And yet, Jesus decided to serve him anyway. And Jesus washed his feet anyway. Because you see, love's ability takes us to a place where we can even serve those that hate us. That's why Jesus taught in Matthew five forty four. He says, but I say unto you, love your enemies and bless them that curse you and do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Why? Jesus said, because that's what love can do. Ah, You you don't understand my past. You don't understand what happened to me. Jesus says love can cover that. Love can strengthen you. Love can pull you through. You don't understand the abuses that I experienced. And you don't know what that man did to me. And you don't know what that woman said to me. No, I don't. But I know what love can do. Love can take you to a place where you can literally serve those that hate you. But love also has the ability to reach out for those that use you. You see, Jesus not only served Judas that night, but he reached out one last time to demonstrate his care for him. After telling his disciples that one of them was going to betray him, Peter asked John, who was sitting closest to Jesus, he says, John, ask him who it is. I don't believe that Peter could hear Jesus' response, but he did tell John, he said, John, I'm going to dip this sop and I'm going to give it and the person I give it to, he's going to betray me. And you say, it's amazing to me. I read that passage and I think, how did John not say, hey, hey okay, well, Judas, where are you going? When Judas left the table. I don't know if he like pointed at Peter and said, I'm not sure why Peter didn't say, hey, hey, Peter was outspoken. Peter was not shy. Peter was going to tell you what he thought. I'm not sure why Peter did, didn't just say, hey, hey, hey Judas, where, where are you going? Where are you going? We know it's you. And the reason is, is because what that means, you see this of giving a sop, it's, it was something of a custom in that day when you were dining. And the reason and the, and, and the person that you would give it to, it was an honor to have that given to you. It's an honor. So. It's kind of like in our society, in our day and age today, um, what we would do is we'd give a toast. Who do you give a toast to? To someone you're celebrating, right? Someone you're honoring. At a wedding, you might say, hey, we want to give a toast to the groom and the bride. At a celebration, at a birthday, you might say, we want to toast to the birthday boy, the birthday girl. It's, it's, it's something to honor them and to celebrate them. And here Jesus is doing that for the person that's about to betray him. What makes Jesus do that? Love. Love. Love will help you to reach out to those that even use you. Judas had been using Jesus for three and a half years to get rich. See, Judas was the one that kept the bag. Judas was skimming off the top. Every little offering that came in. Judas was the one that was there counting the offering and a little bit would make it into his own pocket. Judas was there using Jesus and his ministry to get himself rich because he was all about the here and now. He didn't really believe who Jesus said he was. But he saw and took advantage of the situation. That's why Judas, his heart was black. John says that when he left the dinner table in verse number 30, he went into the night. It's funny how so many bad deeds are done at night. It's in the night that the Bible describes the wickedness of a man's heart. That wicked man, Judas, in the night goes to betray Jesus. But before he does, Jesus is reaching out to him one more time in love. Because that's what love will do. I don't know if you've seen the movie Beauty and the Beast that came out in 1991, the animated film. I know they did a uh, live-action film recently, but the animated uh, movie perhaps you're more familiar with. That's the one I'm more familiar with. And if you remember the story, it's the story of a prince, and uh, he makes fun of this uh, old, uh, I I don't know if she's a witch or an old lady that comes to crash his party, and, and because of his attitude towards her, she puts a curse on him, and he becomes this ugly beast. He's ugly in his character and his voice and the way he treats people. He's just ugly. He's, he's, he's a beast. And then the story talks about this princess named Belle, and she's beautiful. She's got a great heart, and she, she goes, and through a matter of different circumstances that happen, she gets trapped in his castle, and through that time, she begins to change him. And she begins to fall in love with him. And she begins to serve him. And and suddenly he begins to change his character. And at the end of the movie, love wins out. And love transforms him back into this handsome prince. You know, it makes me think about what love does in its ability. You see, we, we were that beast. Sin made us wicked and ugly but Jesus the Bible says, but God showed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners Christ died love was to transform us from the ugliness that we were to something beautiful that's what the ability of love has to do there's Jesus reaching out in love let me give you lastly love's aspirations. Verse 31 down to verse 35, Jesus shares with his disciples what he wants for them. And the first thing that he shares with them is that he wants for them and his aspirations for them and for their future is that love would be displayed and given to all. He says this in verse number 34. He says, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. As I have loved you, that ye also love all men. Know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. He says, there's a new commandment I'm going to give you. Now, I put this in your notes. The word new there doesn't mean like never before. The Bible had already taught in Deuteronomy, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. In Leviticus, it already had said, thou shall love thy neighbor. So this wasn't a new idea that they had never heard the word here uh new in the greek actually means something fresh like a a, a new experience And, and and jesus shares with them i want you to have a new experience in this life that you've never experienced before this life this life of love should be displayed for one another and for all of people doesn't matter what uh, race you come from. doesn't matter what country you come from. It doesn't matter what, uh, what your past is. Jesus said, listen, as Christians, our life ought to be a life of love that reaches all. You see, it was something that was going to be a new experience for them. Before he said, you've been jealous of one another. Who's going to be the greatest? What are you going to do in the kingdom? Jesus, who's going to sit with you on the throne? Jesus said, listen, no, 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 no. Understand this. What I really want for you guys is to love one another. Listen, this is how people are going to know. This is how the world's going to know that you're different. Not by the way you dress. Not by the way you talk. Not by the fact if you come to every service the church has. And I think all of those things for them. But he said, that's not what's going to change people. But love will. You see, if you love one another, if you love people, then, then it can bring change. And my dreams for you is that you would be people that would live a life of love, experience something new like that. It was going to be what marked them. You know, we... uh, Uh, We we like markings, don't we? Um, I don't know about you, but uh, when you go shopping at a store, usually uh, you look for a certain brand, right? And the way that you can tell what brand something is is they have a logo, right? Uh, Like Polo. Polo Ralph Lauren's got the little guy on the horse with the little polo stick, right? You've got Lacoste. has got that little alligator and... uh, Calvin Klein has the CK and you can think of all these logos and these companies, they, on their shirts, they'll put it right there or they'll put it on the sleeve or they'll, they'll put it on the tag. So it was made by this company. And for us, it means a lot. You see somebody, you go, oh, I know about how much that costs. <laughs> Just by a logo, you can almost tell how much a shirt costs. You can, you can tell a lot about uh, that product by its logo. Jesus is telling his disciples, you know what logo I want you to wear? Love. Amen. That, 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 that's what I want you guys to wear. That's what's going to mark you. That's what people should be able to see. In fact, in that first century of Christianity, in that second century of Christianity, in that Roman Empire, in that Roman society, The Romans used to say about the Christians, see how they love one another? It was something that stuck out to them. The Roman society wasn't a society that loved one another. I've shared this before. The Roman society, if you didn't want a baby, you would just go and leave it outside the city and let it freeze to death or die of starvation. That was a society that that Romans had for one another. The Christians were different. Jesus said, Here's my desire, that you love one another, would be displayed, but that that love should be measured by Christ's love. That little phrase in verse 34, it almost seems like a throwaway line when you read it. You, you, you see it in verse 34, it says, as I have loved you. He says, when we love others, we ought to love others the way Jesus loved us. Jesus didn't love you because you were such a good person. In fact, quite the opposite. Jesus didn't love you because you did such a great deed. In fact, the Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. Those filthy rags were the rags that you would use when you had leprosy, when you were literally, your your, your skin was rotting off. They would wipe themselves, all the pus and all the blood and all of the rotten skin they would wipe themselves. And Jesus, said, that's what your, your righteousness, your good works, that's what they are. God didn't love you because of that. God didn't love you because you could do something for him. No. God's love for you is, and me was a love that was an unconditional love. A love that we did not deserve, but a love that he gave anyway. And he tells his disciples, that's how I want you to measure it by that stick. So as we close, I just want you to think about something real quick throughout this week. What are the actions of love teaching others that you've done? What attitude did you have when you did those actions? Because maybe you don't see any different because your heart really isn't a heart of love behind those actions. Let me ask you, where's love taking you in your life? Is love taking you to love those that are unlovable? Those that have hated you? Those that have used you? Let me ask you something. How are you on that measuring stick? Jesus said, love others the way I loved you. Is that the way you're loving today? Is that the way that... You've grown to see others. You see, this morning we've been called to live a life of love by the one who is love. In chapter 13, you see love's actions and attitude, love's ability and aspiration. So the question for us today is, are we living that life of love? You know, our joy and our happiness depend on it. Our ability to impact and change this world depends on it. Our fulfilling the purpose for why we are created in life depends on it. So here's what I want to encourage you today. Just decide today. Decide right now that you're going to start living a life of love. Ask God today to point out. Say, God, if there's something in my life or someone that I've not been showing love the way I ought to, please help me to do that this week. If I've not loved my husband the way I ought to, help me to do that. If I've not loved my wife the way I ought to, help me to do that. If I've not been loving my children, help me to do that. Help me to love them the way you love me. Man, decide that today because you can. Love's given you the ability to do that. Jesus said, it's a new experience. What I'm about to tell you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, love one another. And by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. Listen, it's a foundational truth for us as Christians today, living a life of love. Let's live that this week. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the truth that we have found in this passage about what love is and what love does. Oh, Father, how love is so important for us today. I pray that you would help us to to live a life that would honor you, a life of love. I pray that now your Holy Spirit would search our hearts. In fact, the psalmist said, Search search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Father, that's what we ask that you would do now. Search our hearts this morning. Because it could be that we are lacking love today. And Father, you've called us to a life of love. Help us to live that life. So Father, I pray. I pray tonight or this morning, I should say, that that decision would be made. That we would truly love one another. But I also pray, Father, that there be someone here that does not know that love, that does not know you as their personal Savior, that today they would make that decision. With every head bowed and every eye closed, perhaps this morning you've been listening to the message and God's been speaking to your heart. You say, you know, Pastor, that's that's what I needed today. I needed to be reminded about the life that I should be living, the life of love. And if I have to be honest with myself, I I just haven't been as loving as I ought to be. I haven't been showing any actions of love towards anyone, and I haven't had the right attitude. And Pastor, would you just pray for me that God would help me live a life of love? Would you just pray for me? Raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Just say, Pastor, pray for me that I would have a life like that. God bless you. Is anyone else. God bless you, I see that hand. God bless you, amen. God bless you, I see that hand. And perhaps this morning, you're saying, Pastor, I I understand that life is a life that I need to live, but to be honest, I've really never met the person of love. I've, I have to be honest, I've never made it to Jesus to be my personal savior, to forgive me of my sins. But I'd like to make that decision this morning. If there's someone like that you just you can pray this prayer this morning there in your seat where you're at you can pray this prayer this morning you can say dear God I understand that I'm a sinner and I believe that you sent Jesus your son to die on the cross for me I ask that you forgive me of my sins and be my Savior if you said that prayer this morning, the Bible says that as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. If you made that prayer this morning, the Bible says you are now a child of God. You are what the Bible would say. Maybe you made that decision. You'd like to share that with me. You'd say, Pastor, that's a decision I made today to accept Christ as my Savior. Would you just lift your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you once again. I just want to celebrate with you if that's your decision. Father, this morning, you have seen our hearts, you've seen our lives, you know who we are. Father, I pray that you would help us now as we leave this place, that we would apply your truth, that we would, in this week, live a life of love. Help us, Father, empower us, fill us with your spirit. From you, we can do nothing. Help us to do that even this morning, I pray.